Hello, I'm Zoe Bowes, and I'm not the Prime Minister. Welcome to the Net Hero podcast. Well, I have no idea what to say. Uh, they say a week is a long time in politics. I think uh, 24 hours is like sort of a, a maybe an Einstein-Rosenstein bridge we've got because God knows what's happening. But here we are. We have a new Prime Minister, number three this year, Rishi Sunak. And I'll just put a personal things. I'll put it out on LinkedIn. You know, whatever is politics, whether you agree or disagree, for me, someone who, who's come from uh, an Indian background like him, this is an amazing moment for the country. For, I think it's a brilliant thing that we've got a prime minister who is the son of immigrants, who grew up here and is of a different faith and a different colour. And it shows you how far we've come in, in a lot of ways. And I know that I'm not trying to denigrate all the problems that we still have, uh, but it, it's a, I think it's an important moment. That said, his colour don't matter if his policies don't work. So what's he going to do? And he's going to be talking about his plans over the coming days and weeks. One of the big issues he's got, probably the biggest issue, is how he's going to deal with the cost of living crisis, the economy. And with that, we all know energy plays an enormous part. Uh, now, you'll find lots of stuff on Fusion Net Zero about the new uh, Prime Minister, but, you know, we're getting views across the industry. Will he stick to Boris's agenda on, on the Saudi Arabia wind? Will he go for the nuclear? Will he uh, keep List Trust's plans uh, for investigating and exploring more offshore oil and gas? Will fracking continue or be canned? Uh, there are lots of questions to be asked. He's uh, a bit of a sort of pragmatist from all the stuff I've read. Um, he does believe in energy security. Uh, I don't think he's a massive fan of uh, the whole kind of um, fracking side of things, but he uh, is someone who's spoken in favour of having more oil and gas. And, um, you know, not too sure when he sits on the whole nuclear debate. So a lot of big decisions to be made. And in the background of all of this, he's dealing with something that's affecting all of us and affecting our energy prices and our commodities, and that is inflation, which needs to be tackled. So he's got a hell of an in-tray and he's got a lot of stuff to do, but we do have a new prime minister now, and let's see if he lasts longer than the previous one and can get on and set some stability around for the energy and net zero sectors, because that is the most important thing, that we get some stability so we know what we're doing and making the investment decisions that need to be made. Um, in other news, there's plenty going on. So read energylivenews.com, check out futurenetzero.com if you haven't, because it's so fast moving right now. There's plenty of stuff for us to, to discuss. Um, I think uh, what's been uh, quite interesting, and I'm, I'm in uh, Italy as I'm, I'm recording this now on, on a little week uh, away for uh, the uh, half-term break, is um, the rapidity of kind of uh, infrastructure changes that are going on. So um, there's lots of stuff being done right now in terms of pushing forward on terms of our infrastructure, in terms of charging networks, looking at the way that we start to produce our energy and using grids more, 
Um, we've had a lot of talk about kind of what's going on in terms of uh, the whole uh, security of supply this winter, particularly with national grid saying there could be some issues, uh, possible blackouts, and uh, you know, plenty more about kind of how we make sure that we do the thing that I think is more vital than anything else, which is that we improve our energy efficiency. And they may, may involve you being paid. Maybe you'll be paid to not use your heating or your dishwasher or your washing machine or your tumble dryers or ovens as a business, uh, you know, the way that you operate. There's going to be lots more in the world of how we do flexibility that will come to the fore. So I think it's a very interesting uh, period of time. Plenty, as I said, that you can check out on our websites. Um, and then let's talk about something that is uh, probably going to become more and more important, which is the subject of uh, today's podcast. And that is the communication. And when I mean communication, I'm talking about the communication of our devices, of uh, our systems into a smarter grid. So could it be that you end up with devices that help balance your own energy without you even knowing? Because they're so smart, they're talking back to the grid. That is the subject of my chat with Dominic Belkust from Nokia. Uh, Dominic, hello. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Very good, very good. Just explain to people what Nokia does. Now, obviously, I, I used to love the old Nokia 3310, that old phone, but and it was every, for most of us, it's, it's a phone company, but it's a lot more than that, isn't it? It is, Simit, and it's funny you said that because uh, practically uh, every conversation uh, starts like that uh, with, with people. <laughs> Playing like, snake. Uh, Nokia, my goodness. Uh, you know, I used to have a 3310. I loved the phone and it was so reliable and the battery would last forever. But what happened to you guys? Exactly. And, you know, <laughs> it was it was Nokia chargers. You won't believe how many I've got. In fact, I've got about six of them in front of me right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's true. And, and the, the answer is really, uh, we have always been there in the background. And nobody knows that Nokia is there, that we are actually, you know, serving, uh, you know, half of the world's internet traffic uh, across our IP routers. And at, you know, most of the... Uh, the, the railway uh, signaling and interlocking uh, is, is actually made possible thanks to uh, technology that we provide, the, the 4G, 5G networks in the background that uh, help people connect with their smartphones right. is, is the Nokia technology. So, yeah, we, we've been there in the background. You just as become much a little bit more low level. <laughs> Exactly, you know, not not in the consumer business anymore. So we're, right. we're 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 in many ways in, in critical communications, the best kept secret in the industry. So yeah, okay. Well, I mean, hey, they were great phones. That's all I will say. <laughs> now you've been in this kind of world for about thirty years. So let's go back thirty years, in the, in the early nineties. And um, I remember very much getting my first mobile in nineteen ninety two. But I used to work for the BBC. I used to work in Fleet Street even before that. And I remember this guy coming, and uh, this is the day you'll probably remember this, when obviously we'd have a story, you'd send a photographer, you then had to rush to the photo lab and develop it and then put it in. And he had this camera, the digital camera, first one I'd ever seen. 
and it was like a massive box and it could take six pictures. And he was like, oh, guys, this is the future. And everyone was laughing, right? Everyone was laughing, saying, what are you talking about? He said, no, no, you can send these things over the, the, this kind of like connection. And people, we didn't even know what the internet was. So going back in that time, was, was there anything really digital, Dominic, when you joined the industry? Well, actually there was, uh, and particularly in, in the utilities, um, people have been using uh, uh, telecommunications for a very, very long time. Now, uh, we, we didn't use uh, Ethernet or IP protocols, but yeah. uh, it, many, many devices were connected. They were using legacy interfaces, you know, uh, uh, serial uh, interfaces, which we've been using on printers for a very, very long time, or on the modems that we all uh, used uh, back in those days to connect uh, with corporate networks or or the early days of the internet, really. Uh, so yeah, you know, utilities have been using telecoms uh, to to many of their assets, like their power substations, for a very long time. Uh, but you know that's also been evolving. And when people talk about you know uh, the Internet of Things, uh, yes. in particular when it relates to utilities. I, I'm, you know, I always get this feeling like, yeah, well, you know, this is not something new to this industry because, you know, <laughs> See, the, I, I, the, I think, sorry to interrupt, I think it's completely the opposite. I think I'd never heard of it. So this is something that's been going on in the background, is it? It is. Yeah. So, uh, you know, people in critical infrastructures like railways and utilities have, have always had a certain degree of, of communications, at least for the last uh, 30, 35 years. Wow. Uh, communication systems to be able to operate some of their critical assets like, you know, uh, transformers, circuit breakers, reclosers, etc. But this was happening, you know, mainly at, you know, the high voltage uh, level of, of the grid and the medium voltage level of the grid. And it was happening at relatively low speeds with not a very high density of, of those uh, devices. We, we refer to it as, uh, you know, SCADA, Supervisory Control and Data Requisition. It's a term that's been around for a very long time. But we do see that now this is starting to evolve. Uh, the protocols are evolving the density and the pervasiveness uh, with which we need to, you know, get data from uh, mm. the state of the grid and the number of assets we need to control is growing dramatically. And, and it has to because, of course, you know, we're starting to have a much higher degree of distributed energy generation. We used to have only a few locations in any particular country where where power yes. was produced in mass and then you know it was uh, transported but now production is is you know becoming massively distributed and gets connected at distribution levels in the grid think you know just think about you know the 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 pv installations on people's roofs and electrical vehicles which you know uh, take power from the grid but can also be you know, uh, used as a storage device to deliver energy back to the grid, right? So the, this this whole system is is kind of pretty much reversed now. So <laughs> that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Yeah. So I mean, that's the thing is that what we're doing, and this is where I always say to people, we're going through a revolution. I suppose the only thing people can probably relate to is kind of the boom in television, perhaps, right, or the beginning of the internet. It's even bigger than that. It's probably, I'd say the boom in electrification that took place 100 years ago. And, you know, 1923, I know it's quite a famous quote, 1923, it was like kind of 97% horse travel and 3% by car. By 1933, 
those figures had changed. And in the decade, it had completely transformed our life. Do you think we're going under, undergoing this kind of enormous shift now in terms of kind of, as you say, utilities have always been very, dare I say, basic in the sense that, you know, big generation, switch on the power, and there we go. It's now changed completely, isn't it? In, in a very short time, and it's changing even faster. Absolutely. You know, many utilities uh, will, will tell you that a good day is, you know, a day where everything is the same as yesterday. <laughs> and I, I, I can tell you that uh, a lot of utilities are going through some very rough times now because things are changing at such a rapid pace. It's really hard for them to keep up. And, you know, some, some utilities are seeing, you know, their, their safety and safety numbers, which are related to the average uh, interruption time and the, and the duration and the, the number of instances where you do see power losses uh, going up. And this for their power regulator is, is a very, you know, bad sign. Uh, power utilities could even lose their license if, they, uh, if things get out of control a bit too much. So, and the only way that they can really respond to that is, is by, you know, uh, implementing more pervasive and better communication systems so that they can gain a much more granular control over their assets and they can actually uh, reroute energy yeah. in real time to avoid outages for customers uh, and minimize the duration of those outages. Obviously, it's quite difficult on radio. They're called podcasts, but I'm old school, Dominic. It's basically radio. So let's paint a picture, right? So for the listener... What does this kind of new smart grid look like? First of all, how cables are cables, right? Carrying power. So what is talking? Is there a, dare I say, is there like a little clamp that reads the, the data? Is it a phone system? When you talk about, you know, talking networks and smart networks, what, what does that actually mean if you could, you know, visualize it for us? Okay, very good. Yeah, a lot of things will not be visible to the consumer. Uh, the smart meter in the home might be the you know the uh, yes. the thing that uh, that is most uh, visible and and uh, because that all, all, all communicates either across the the electrical cable back to uh, a device which we call a concentrator, or it uses a cellular network to communicate back to the power utility. But there's much more than that. There's, you know, in the low voltage uh, or in the medium voltage part of the network, there's transformers that can be pole mounted or sitting in a, in a, in a street cabinet somewhere. Yes, we see them. Yeah, yeah. Inside those things, you will find some intelligent devices and, uh, and circuit breakers and what we call the reclosers, uh, you know, that, that will make sure we can safeguard the, uh, the power lines. And these need to be controlled in a, in a much better and faster way than what we were capable of doing in the past. So we will start to see more intelligence and more communication systems moving you know, uh, into those distribution networks close to the consumer. They used to be, you know, much further away from the consumer, but we need to put them now closer to the consumer, which means that we need, you know, good coverage, but also the density uh, is is quite high. You know, if you look at uh, a country like the UK or or France or or Italy, for instance, those distribution substations are going up into the hundreds of thousands of cabinets or, or uh, yes. you know, boxes that uh, we will need to get access to and, and control devices that are living within those cabinets. So all these things are sending a signal, basically, 
over the over the phone networks or, or, or through the internet, are they? Yes. And the problem we face is that a lot of the networks that were, you know, that we use as consumers really weren't built for these types of applications. Mm. For one, most uh, mobile networks for commercial use have no concept of, you know, priority or quality of service. When I fire up a YouTube video on my smartphone, that bandwidth is going to go to my my smartphone. But when there is, you know, a a little uh, utility device uh, sitting next to me that is uh, just pushing a little bit of data through the wireless connection, it, it, that might actually lose its connection with, with the network because I am using more bandwidth than, than what the system can deliver at that time. And then the other thing is that most uh, mobile network operator networks um, were designed for relatively you know, limited power outages. So they have battery backup systems that will keep the, uh, the system running for maybe a couple of hours. But that would not be good enough to to really suit the needs of the power utilities who, when there is a power outage, really need to rely on their communication systems more than anything else. Yeah. So that they could reestablish power in in a quick way. And and they would require uh, these systems to have, you know, power autonomy for, you know, sometimes up to 48 or 72 hours. So this immediately then also begs the question like you know will commercial networks live up to uh, to those quality standards and, and uptimes and and the answer in most cases is no so what we see in the industry is that many power utilities are now looking at deploying their own private wireless networks to just serve their industrial iot purposes yeah 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 so I want to explore a couple of things. Um, let's talk about kind of where we are right now. I mean, look, we're we're a global podcast, but let's talk about the UK. And well, it's not just the UK, the whole of Europe, particularly the whole world. But particularly, you know, you bring it down, we're facing a tough winter, right? We've just had a kind of warning from the national grid saying, look, things are tight. We should be okay, but you never know. We could have some power cuts. We could have what they need is kind of managing demand. Can you explain to the listeners how this kind of technology, this kind of smart interface of wireless and communication with the grid could help us? Because I suppose in the old days, there'd be some meters, they'd watch what was happening and they'd go, well, turn off that one, we'll pump that one up, fire up that coal power station. Now all of that's automated. The grid just sits and across it. So this communication you're talking about is going to be vital in terms of making sure in a tough winter that actually we do balance the power to have enough for everyone when we need it. Yeah, so in fact, particularly uh, related to the UK, um, there was a study done by GemServe that was published almost a year ago, so November 2021, Mm. that was illustrating that you know, the net benefits of a smart grid in the UK enabled by a dedicated radio communications network would bring about something like 12.7 billion pounds of benefits because, you know, you could avoid having to put new grid infrastructure in place with, with bulk generation 
you you would be able to much uh, you know be be much smarter about how you can deploy renewable energy to help in black start scenarios etc so it's quite a detailed report that that illustrates this and and this is a bit of a a painful one now particularly for the UK because um you know the 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 Ofcom agency really needs to make a decision to to free up some spectrum for the uh, utility industry in the UK. When you look at, do you think what, they need their own network, sort of thing? Absolutely. Um, and this right. is this is quite clear. E- even if you compare, you know, the costs of uh, if you would be using a uh, a commercial network versus. Uh, deploying uh, a dedicated uh, infrastructure, a smart private radio infrastructure, it's less than half the cost. uh, um, Because if you need to retrofit a a commercial mobile network to the requirements of utilities, you know, I mentioned the, you know, power autonomy, quality of service, et cetera, it would be a huge cost. So, uh, and, and, you know, other countries in in Europe and around the globe have already made the decision. Germany has actually allocated spectrum uh, for the entire utility industry in Germany uh, uh, just over a year ago. In Ireland, this this decision has been made already more than two years ago to to provide spectrum for uh, for the utilities. Poland we're, has we're, done this. We haven't done it yet, clearly. <laughs> Why am I not surprised? <laughs> So yeah, things need to uh, to uh, be uh, you know. Uh, I, I think uh, we need a bit of a push uh, for the UK for that. But uh, yeah, uh, I, I think uh, uh, we're seeing progress. Some yeah. companies have already done yeah. very successful trials as well. So uh, yeah, what? How does all this help with what we're all about, which is net zero? Because this is the other thing that you know people say you're putting in all this technology, Dominique. Well, they all going to need power, right? These systems need power. You know, you're going to be building more infrastructure there's a carbon cost to that so where do you answer how putting in more things putting in more smart materials and networks and all of this how can that help us reduce the carbon footprint of the utilities industry because intuitively you'd think actually that would increase it well there, there's there's going to be a small increase of course because the comms you need to put in but yeah. uh, if you if you consider that you could uh, actually bring in a lot more renewable energy uh, to your grid in a much higher distributed fashion than it actually uh, outweighs uh, by far uh, the additional power you consume for uh, for the for the telecom piece which uh, which is 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 fairly small because we don't we don't need very high bandwidths to uh, to uh, to manage power grids. We just need really good coverage and low frequency bands, for instance, are ideally suited for that. And we don't need much power to uh, to actually uh, go very long distance with uh, with those types of networks. So it's actually uh, you know quite interesting to see how we can enable. A much higher degree of renewable connectivity and the other thing of course is reusing stored energy in batteries right yeah um, if we have electrical vehicles uh, that are for a good part of the day are going to be sitting there on a parking lot or on a driveway or in a garage because you know these things don't move uh, 24 uh, 7 you know we could we could actually reuse that energy to do things like uh, fast frequency reserve on the power grid where just for maybe you know a couple of minutes uh, we can we can use that stored energy to to balance the grid if you are able to aggregate that for 
you know, thousands of vehicles, um, then it actually adds up to a, a really good number uh, on a national uh, level that, that can help uh, do uh, grid balancing and, and demand response, right? Will, will um, this eventually mean that, we're, you know, if we have a smarter grid, because this is the other question I wanted to ask you is, why would I care as a consumer? What, what will this do for me if I'm a business? What, what, what's the advantage of all this? Because I'm sure at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the way the world works, I mean, someone's got to pay for all this and the consumer always pays. So the question would be, whether it's through service charge or whatever, you know, what, what, am I, what am I getting out of it as a business? No, excellent question, actually. Yes, this, this is now starting to, uh, to trickle through. People are starting to realize that if, if I can be smart about how I use energy or when I could give energy back to the grid, it could uh, save uh, quite a bit of cost. I could be, uh, you know, having a real-time negotiation with the grid that I, I can actually shut down some of my, you know, uh, uh, power consumption uh, during a certain time of the day and then uh, maybe have uh, the energy that goes in, you know, back into the grid uh, from my uh, PV panels actually go into a battery so that I can uh, reuse that uh, at night or maybe trade it back with the energy company at a time when they uh, they would, uh, you know, uh -huh. be able to, to make better use of it. So today I can't do that. I cannot decide today, you know, when I'm going to be trading energy yes. back Grid yeah. and, and how much, uh, you know, for how long. Um, and that's something we we will see uh, come about in, in the next few years. Things are going to get much better and smarter. Yeah. I will be able to to, uh, to negotiate better deals with my utility and also help them do peak shaving, for instance, which uh, which again is, a, is another hot topic. And that's the thing, isn't it? When we've had, I, I think it was Octopus, I've um, said, um, you know, we'll pay you to this winter to use less energy when we want it to. And all the signals around kind of demand side management and flexibility. At present, the grid or the energy company will come to me as the consumer. Are you saying actually what all this will do, all this smart grid will do is I get the choice rather than here's the price, will you take it to me? You can go, actually guys, here's my, here's what I'm producing, Who, who's up for the bid? So for a business, it could become not massive, but it could become a revenue stream as well. Absolutely. That, that's absolutely right, Sumit. That's where we're heading towards. You know, these kinds of, uh, you know, real-time energy trading systems down to the consumer level, that, that is uh, something that will happen. And we do see, you know, uh, these sorts of uh, things being pushed also by the EU moving forward to say, okay, we need to start to enable these kinds of ecosystems uh, at the national level, but also at an yeah. international level. I want to move on to a couple of things, which obviously people listen with. The first one is, you know, we can't hide away from what's going on with uh, Russia and its, its war and how it's attacked Ukraine. But it also has been attacking Ukraine, not just with missiles, but digitally. All of this makes people wonder and, and get scared on two things. One, privacy of data, right? I don't really want you knowing, Dominic, when my fridge is opening and what I'm buying, <laughs> right? But secondly, there's a real, you know, we, we have it, we've already had it, real chance of cyber attacks on utilities. They're critical infrastructure for any nation. So let's talk about that. The privacy side of things for a business, for an individual, and the cybersecurity. 
what are companies like you, what, what are the, what's the industry going to do to protect us? Because this is now a new frontier in warfare. Utility communications networks uh, pretty much are networks that stand on their own. They don't rely on, uh, on the internet, if you will. For any of the uh, protection and control systems, these are completely closed networks running on their own fiber optic systems or own you know, radio uh, yeah. networks uh, with their own frequencies. So it's, it's really, really hard to, to penetrate those kinds of uh, infrastructures because they're kept uh, completely separate from, from any public uh, network there. Now, when it comes down to data privacy, of course, mm. uh, you know, your, your, your meter readings, et cetera, are, are absolutely subject to, uh, uh, to privacy legislation and any kind of uh, agreement or transaction you will be making uh, will also have to be secured by technologies such as, you know, like uh, blockchain to make sure that... Uh, That's what know, I was going to get to, uh, yeah. Yeah. We'll, need, we'll need new devices of security and new legal measures, won't we, if we start to do much more peer-to-peer trade, because there's a market that has to be regulated, all of that. It opens up a lot of different things, doesn't it, from just a power cable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, the, these sorts of things are already being looked at. We've, uh, we've seen uh, several, uh, you know, uh, project already, projects already starting uh, where this kind of uh, peer-to-peer trading uh, has been made possible in a, in a secured manner where also there is a financial institution in the middle that handles then the uh, the financial transaction but everything is done the, with blockchain uh, technology and is uh, is encrypted so yeah that that that's definitely uh, an area that is being looked at to make sure that uh, all of this is is uh, is completely secured there's something you're doing as a company which i find quite interesting you you're sort of helping wind farms talk to each other aren't you in the north sea because that, that's an interesting one you know with what's going on with Nord Stream and people are now talking about cables and stuff I assume this is is this probably wireless I assume is it to try and connect between well yeah there's there's several aspects uh, there is wireless communication on the wind farm to allow the maintenance people and uh, and the operators of the vessels to communicate yeah. Um, you know, either during the construction or maintenance uh, phases of the uh, the offshore wind farm. So there's there's a lot of that actually happening uh, right now. But uh, there's also uh, a fiber optic cable that sits uh, within the uh, the power cable that uh, connects the uh, the offshore wind farm back to the uh, to the grid on shore. Um, right. And that fiber uh, carries, of course, a lot of uh, real time data from uh, the offshore wind farm. Uh, and allows uh, you know the operators to uh, to control the assets on the wind farm, but what a lot of people don't know is that there is technology called uh, distributed acoustic sensing that uh, one of the um, companies that Nokia owns, which is Alcatel Submarine Networks, they, we're actually putting in a lot of the submarine cable for for telecoms and for these uh, power systems. 
Uh, there is a particular um, a technology that exists that allows us also to to listen in the audio spectrum about what's going on uh, yeah. alongside the cable. So we are able to identify, for instance, uh, vessels around the power cable because around okay. the power cables, the submarine power cables, you're not allowed to to do any fishing. Understood. Uh, but yeah. of course, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, when when there is an area where people usually don't fish, that's also where there's a uh, typical a lot of fish a so there fish, is yeah. very, <laughs> very tempting to actually yeah. go and, and and fish in those areas um there's no chance of a, a great white munching on the cable then we're all right are we? you'll know if a fish comes down <laughs> well yeah we, we'll know you know uh, where it's trying to uh, eat a, a chunk out of the cable but uh, yeah so we're, we're able to uh, uh, recognize the uh, the audio signature of a vessel yeah. Uh, when it comes to, into a particular range of the cable, and then uh, you know it can be used to uh, to prevent you know incidents or people that are not supposed to be there. Yeah, yeah. To to uh, yeah chase them away. All of this is making me think that actually utilities is really changing. It's it's almost in the world of computing and and IT and other things now. Finance. It's it's very weird, isn't it? What's happening to utilities? Yeah, the business model has completely changed. Huh? Uh, as I said, uh, you know, the system has become so much more distributed, and where where in in terms of generation, but uh, yeah, also in terms of the business model, power utilities now not only offer power, they also bring broadband services into the home because that allows them then also to to bring back uh, all of the meter data. Uh, a lot of the utilities in in the Scandinavian countries, in Switzerland, and in the US, you know, municipal uh, utilities actually also operating broadband services to the home, right? So yeah. it, it, it brings about a completely uh, different business model for, uh, for utility, actually. Where is all this in terms of global development? Because we've had a really good conversation, but it kind of sounds like a conversation for Europe, for America first world. Where is all this in terms of, you know, developing nations, places where they're really at risk of intermittent power and climate change, things like this. Are these all these solutions that you're talking about really, dare I say, just for rich countries? Well, not really. Uh, we, do, we do see that in developing countries, this technology is also being used to allow power communities to be uh, created around you know, solar and, and wind uh, with, with local storage. So creating those, those kinds of islands um, uh, for, for better power autonomy is definitely something we see happening uh, across the globe, not only in the developed countries, uh, to be honest. I mean, I suppose the other thing is you can have is like, you know, in places that they skip a technology, don't they? So in sub-Saharan Africa, they're not putting in phone lines like they used to 100 years ago, 50 years ago. They're putting in relay stations and it's all a, a wireless network. Yes, correct. So, yes, you can uh, you, you don't need to to build a big uh, copper or, or fiber communications infrastructure to to manage this. Right. So. Uh, you can you can use wireless technologies today and 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 for the backhaul we can we we typically uh, 
use satellites, for instance, or point-to-point -point, right. uh, long-haul microwave links. So yes, these things are being built into developing countries, and and the price point actually is, uh, you know, it's 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 quite affordable to uh, to do this. Uh, to be honest, so uh, it's it's not only uh, happening in 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 Europe and, and North America, but we yeah. we see this happening across the globe. Yeah. Before we go, what, what, what does this all make you think? Like you say, you've been in the industry a long time. How do you see all our ambitions towards net zero? And how do you see the role you know, companies like yourselves and utilities will be playing in this more digital world? Because you, you've probably got an interesting perspective having been there at the beginning and now you know, seeing this really ramp up of, as you say, of a completely more diffuse uh, industry. So what, what's your take in it all? Uh, our uh, CEO, uh, Pekka Lundmark, has coined the phrase, you know, at, at the COP uh, conference in, in Glasgow earlier, you know, there can be no green without digital. And, and, and we honestly believe that that's the case. Um, if we really want to go green, uh, then we, we, we just need more uh, digitalization and, and communications uh, of, of everything, which, which obviously is... <laughs> Sounds like it's good news for us, uh, but I, I don't. Think, but I, but I don't think there is any other way to be honest, Sumit, because we, we, we really need to be able to control all of the uh, the renewable energy sources, how small uh, they may be, and 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 how remotely they might be uh, uh, sitting, because we need to be able to do this at scale. Uh, yeah. and, and aggregate this, you know, at uh, at uh, at a regional, at the national level, and that requires uh, some level of, of of comms anyway. But, but but we need to make sure that as we're doing this, that's as low carbon as possible, isn't it? You know, you need absolutely. To, you need yeah. to be powering these things yeah. through renewable energy. You need to be reusing the materials, end of life, all of that. So you are you putting those plans in place now? Absolutely. This is a very high priority for us. Uh, reducing power consumption of our systems um, is one of our top priorities. We're looking at innovative uh, passive cooling technologies as well to re you know, reduce uh, the requirements for things like fans or uh, air conditioning systems in uh, in, a, in our own uh, data centers, actually, yeah, uh, and in our own products. Uh, so this is an area of uh, research uh, where uh, uh, Nokia is putting an awful lot of uh, energy in today. Yeah. Okay, we're going to end with a prediction, all right? 2045, I won't go to 2050, all right? 2045, I come home, tell me what's happening. Is my fridge already knowing that I need some milk? Has my car charged up? <laughs> Have I sold some energy? What's the future? Well, I don't know if your fridge is going to know about that, but uh, <laughs> what you will definitely know is, uh, you know, how much energy you have consumed and how much you've been selling back uh, at what time, at what price, uh, to whom. So that's definitely uh, something that I could see uh, happening before that time. Excellent. As long as I've made a fiver when I've been out, I'm ha I'll be happy. <laughs> Uh, Dominique, it's been a really interesting conversation and uh, thank you for making something very technical, simple enough for my small brain. I, I really appreciate it. No worries, Summit. Thanks for having us. Dominique there. Phones, data, smart grids, smart devices. Who knows where it all will go? If you've got any thoughts on that or anything else you've heard in today's podcast, then please get in touch. Uh, using the email nethero at futurenetzero.com 
or get in touch on social media. Um, we really want to get more voices out there, more international voices. So if you're listening in different parts of the world, then you've got a net hero story that should be featured in our podcast, then get in touch and keep subscribing, keep passing the word. Uh, we're, we're getting a following there and I'm really happy of that. So uh, do hope you're enjoying it and you'll listen in soon. Take care. You've been listening to the Net Hero podcast with Summit Bose from Future Net Zero. Visit our platform for all things Net Zero. And if you or your business is doing great things on the path to Net Zero and want to be featured on the podcast, email nethero at futurenetzero.com. Follow us on social media. futurenetzero.com. Better business, better planet.